Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. What's up, everybody? This is Joe Lapuma. You are listening to the Complex Sneakers Podcast. To my right, Matt Welty. Hey, what's up? To my left, wearing all black. Brendan Dunn, I'm, fresh I'm off here. fresh off vacation. Welcome back. I'm tired. Black I know like I've, your soul. I keep mentioning it, but I've been up since like 4 a.m. So. Okay. Been jet lag once. We've all been there. Just okay. <laughs> deal with it. Yo, I feel like I haven't been in this room in so long. I know because we banged out two episodes in one week. I left the country. I've been traveling around the globe. I look. This guy has a Rudolph the Red Nose reindeer nose right now. Look at that yeah. sunburn. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen you with a sunburn. I, I look sun kissed, right? Yeah, that's right. Sun kissed. Like orange? Mm-hmm. Sun kissed? Uh, like a little bit, like a nice base going on. You know, uh, now that it's it's I, I getting kind of sunny. I think it might peel, man. I know, I know. It's it's gonna peel. How are we feeling? You guys had a busy day today. We had a busy day, and I got Jet back legs. from vacation yesterday, and I fucking, I've been up since 4 a.m. How many times has he brought it up? Get the you're, violins out. You're Big in Egypt. Jet once. Come on, this is what we do. This is, this is. He was in Egypt. Yep. He was in Jordan. That's right. Went to the Jordan River. The one thing about him, when he goes on vacation, he really is on vacation. You know, you uh, occasional text here and there, but. Hey, listen, there was some, we could have used your uh, decision. <laughs> we could have used your guidance in, in making some decisions. And this guy was nowhere to be found. Let me say this, a sincere thank you to everybody who was not on vacation, who helped handle all yes. the things that were going on yep. at Soul Collector, at Complex uh, during that time. Matt Welty, chief among them. I've actually never taken a vacation in all my time at Complex. You told me that, really? and I am so... I, 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 I don't really take time, that much. Why? Uh, but, no, I, but, I've, but, but I've I never, go on those trips. I've, and, I've, I've, no, but I've done all these trips and all that sort of stuff for sneakers, but yeah. I've done weekends well, the here line, and there, yeah, the but I've is, never done a whole week. I've right. never done that. The line is very blurred because like, we'll do press trips or I'll do the kith trips, and I'm yeah. like, oh, it's a vacation, but it's really not. Kith yeah. trip isn't a vacation? I mean, that, Thursday to Sunday? Come on. But it's a nice resort. Yeah, but it's like a full vacation, not like your vacations. I used to I, you know what I do? It's airplane mode the whole week. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Because I, I would text him and I then he wouldn't, I would text him and then like, I can't it wouldn't that. even get delivered and then you'd hit me back like a day later. Speaking of airplane mode and phones, this guy to my right went to the Red Bulls game <laughs> yesterday, behaved yeah. himself. He wasn't in the police blotter this morning, but the phone, what happened? R.I.P. Done. Tell us what happened. I was, uh, we won three to two. This is the first Red Bulls match of the of the, the season, the MLS season. And as I tweeted out, uh, Ninja and Ryan Sheckler were nowhere to be found. They weren't your nope. invited guest. No, they were nowhere to support the team that they're now the faces of for some reason. But um, so they weren't around. But we won three to two. Me and my friends are you know just having a couple of drinks. Nothing crazy. Didn't get mm-hmm. crazy or rowdy or anything. Just what's the drink of choice at the games? I uh, actually got kind of upset about this because... Okay, of course he did. But no. Yeah. This year, they raised the prices 
on the beers okay. inside the stadium inside the stadium they usually give you like a 24 ounce beer and they're usually like the more expensive ones were 13 bucks and usually if they raise something it's like 50 cents right mm-hmm. they raised it from 13 to 14.50 they gotta pay ninja man Ooh. that's kind of a that's ninja. kind of that's kind of a big wow. jump for the right well like you their price went up okay let's not let's anyways not real, anyways so what i'm just i'm just i'm just i was in the bathroom and i was about to check instagram or whatever okay. this is po- at the match no this is, this is at a bar um, in Harrison, New Jersey. Pull it out of my pocket. Just went to go... Went, pause. Pause. Go to check my phone and whatever. You you know, your hand kind of jumbles sometimes when you... Yeah, you, yeah. classic fumble. Yeah, mm-hmm. classic fumble, but classic fumble went straight into the toilet bowl. Oh, my God. Wow. And so, wait, into the toilet bowl. Like, like in... Did, did it splashed up and everything, like, it, submerged. It, it was, like, completely submerged. Wow. And, like, you reached your hand in there? I pulled it out. It was just... I think uh, it was just, like... Pause. I think it was... I think it was just a, a reflex, right? Yeah. Like, to, it went all the way, and I pulled it out, yeah. like, whatever. Before and, you flushed. Yeah, and then... Well, I hadn't even gone yet, but then I just, like, I think I... The button got hit on the side, mm-hmm. and the screen just, like... Like, you pulled the plug on it. You it knew like, immediately your phone was toast. Yeah, it was toast, so... I don't have a phone today. It's like me on airplane mode. And, you know, I was telling him he tweets about everything now. He tweets about everything. Save some content for us. Do you know what this makes me wish, though? And I think me and Brendan had this he conversation said he tweet- And I, it's in reference to him tweeting about him putting the phone in the toilet. But no. save some of the yeah. heat for us. Talk about me it. Me and Brendan time. were talking about it, though. If Instagram, if you're listening, there needs to be a way to check your Instagram DMs on like desktop. desktop because you you're without phone right now and That's you have fair. a you have a strong inkling that your dms are fucking yeah. on fire yeah they're fucking burning you know who up? you look like dude who? i'll tell you who you look like ryan russello i don't know that uh, yeah, well, you, what is that if okay so we have a podcast so you guys bullshit know i know who he is, is. he's on okay. espn right he's on the bill simmons podcast he's on the ringer we'll bleep okay. that out so we don't give them any uh shine he, he didn't used to be on espn yes the amount of celebrity Dude, doppelgangers well uh, he looks, he looks like him. I don't see he, this one as much. Let me, let me uh, when you. you were when I was sitting in the control room don't. for the episode that you were just recording, I was like, yo, this dude looks like Ryan Rosillo. I don't I get, see that one as much. I, I see get, it a little bit like in the face, but not I get so many people in my DMs just sending me photos of random people that look like Matt Welty. <laughs> don't I don't see that one as much. I see it today a, though. I don't know what it is. Did you see this one I tweeted? Dude, this, that one was creepy. This guy, I, I have this. Uh, what do you mean? Did I see it? I have it saved in my. This phone guy is like a, he's like a manager of a football team or something. I mean, that looks exactly like you. Look at this. Yeah, the guy's got quite the schnoz. Meanwhile, Dave photo. Matthew, Dave Matthews interrupted twice on the podcast in a row. He's not even allowed in the room anymore. Look, is he your scribe or something like that? Scribe? Like he like writes down like he's like following you around like nah. Joe LaPuma's like nah. needs are nah. He counterbalances my. Your craziness, yes, yes, yes. If you've never seen Joe LaPuma black on someone in the office, yeah, yeah, it's been a while, right? No, it was this morning and Friday. I really missed one a was, lot. Yeah, I was. Here I apologize though. So I don't know how. You I know, the thing one. about me is, you know, I was talking to someone today. It's the ten minute rule. If I just if didn't you, if react, you take for, a walk. Yeah, if I didn't react for ten minutes, everything is better in ten minutes. I just gotta take ten minutes. The maddest I think Joe ever got at us was actually for the Kyle Yamaguchi stuff when he got found out that Kyle Yamaguchi was Brendan huge fan of was always was stealing the samples from wait when did I get I this was like 2013 and we so had before a, I worked here right? yeah we had a freelancer uh this guy Raja good right? guy yeah he had made a graphic for the lead image of the Nikes being stolen 
story and it said just steal it and he made a swoosh like a crowbar and he, and he that's aggressive I, that's and he silly. posted it joe's like you know def- defend the nike plug at all costs and yeah like, right but yeah. that's just and i remember me and a former co-worker got a g-chat from joe lapuma saying my office right now yeah. all caps yes slam the door we both got the same time we both just get up walk over just slams the just door steal, just steal it could be better. principal's and, office and it was what the fuck do you think oh, you're doing? Yeah. Okay, so for people listening who said that he hasn't dry snitched in two episodes, dry snitch away. Here it is. <laughs> He's back. And you, and you actually, uh, the, I think it was the number one uh, story on complex.com and you made uh, Nick Cristivo take it off the Facebook feed. All right, well, we caught up enough. I think now it's time to introduce our guest for today, a very special guest on the podcast, a jack of all trades in our culture designer, model, director, and the first woman to ever get a Jordan collaboration, a staple in the streetwear and sneaker space. We're honored to have Vashti Cola on the Complex Sneakers <laughs> podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having Downtown me. Downtown sweetheart. Yes. OG the goat. <laughs> Been doing it for a few decades now. Yes. That sounds long. Yeah. Oh, are we jaded yet? Or do you still get excited or what? Like, we've known each other for a while. When you were like, downtown sweetheart like i was like an intern and still get excited about things or or what i still get excited it's funny because i think i was in like the second issue of complex okay wow. like it was like street style okay. so that was exciting then and this today is exciting so i feel like um i'm not jaded i love that and of course matt wealthy before we were taping asked fasty if full-size run changed her life and how many people recognized her from it and she said basically a baker's dozen uh <laughs> <laughs> a baker's dozen recognized her. I have had guests in the past tell me that after the appearance on the show that they didn't. They had to change their phone number. No, the, how many how many kids were hitting them up like before that? I, I will say that it you know there definitely is an audience that I think kind of knew about me but didn't really, and mm-hmm. I think that that was like a nice you know kind of experience because people did hit me up like oh I didn't I didn't know who you were before this so. yeah Vashti was on full size run uh, March, March 2019 mm. if I recall correctly uh, uh, for the people who are listening who who may not know who you are uh, how did you first get into the sneaker scene or the streetwear scene as it was back then kind of formally like how did you become a part of the New York cool people um I think okay so I moved to New York in 99 mm. and then um from Albany from Albany Yeah he knows he'll use he'll <laughs> use you. he'll use the same research Jeez, tips I can't let that go he'll use the same no, research I'm just, tips I'm just it's, it's the capital I'm okay just, yeah. it's the capital <laughs> it's um, great, great place to visit yeah. and uh so yeah I moved um but was always a tomboy always wore sneakers and was obsessed with sneakers and and then I got a job at Stussy, which is under the James Chevy umbrella. It was Stussy Supreme Union. So mm-hmm. we were kind of like a family. And so buying sneakers from each other was like a thing. And This is like 2000. Yes. And I sort of became known as a girl who wore Jordans that just didn't live in the hood because that was like the, the hood girl look. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't really see girls in Manhattan wearing Jordans and T-shirts. So I think that naturally that kind of got me in. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, it, it was such a small circle then. So you kind of knew everyone. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that that was really, it was just like the time. What were the sneakers that you were buying back then? You mentioned like buying sneakers from those different stores in the umbrella. Like what shoes did you care about at that point? At that point it was Dunks. Yeah. Dunks were huge. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny because I don't think I own a pair of Dunks now. Really? Yeah. This is, I guess, like early SB, like Pro B. Like yeah. thick, thick tongue that weren't labeled yeah. SBs yet. Exactly. 
there was like the New York Dunks, like the Supreme Dunks. I'm sure, yeah. Um, yeah. Do, were those guys that you were around and, and the people you were around from those stores, were they as into it back then as like you see people are into it now? Did they seem like they realized how big this was going to be or did, did you? No, there was absolutely no way to foresee it. I no. think for us it was like there was – like the sneaker world that we knew in the United States. And then there was like, you know, international people. It was like the Japanese kids just, it was like, you would see them kind of like corralling for when a, a sneaker release would happen. So mm -hmm. you kind of just thought, oh, this is just us. This is like the world that we live in. But mm -hmm. for the people that worked at these stores and I mean, for us, it was like we were into it, but we weren't like do or die. We weren't right. like so obsessed. But yeah, but then there were people who would, you know, sleep outside in yeah. line for Sneakers, when so. you look back at it, you know, like that whole scene's kind of known for like the whole like I'm cooler than you attitude of all the shop managers and you know, like you can't shop here if you're not down with us. Do you look back at that and you're like, wow, that was kind of ridiculous? Or was it like a myth and like you everyone was fine? It just was like they were intimidating. Um, I think because it was it was a different time, and I think it was really like, it's not like now where it's like if I saw someone on Instagram, I could go up to them and be like, hey, I, I follow you on Instagram. I don't know you, but, like, mm -hmm. I think you're cool. And they'd be like, oh, I think you're cool, too. And we could be friends. Like, back then it wasn't like that. It was, I mean, I'm sure you guys kind of know, like, the skate world, you know, the hip-hop world. It was just like, who do you know? Mm -hmm. Like, are mm -hmm. you authentic? Are you not? So I think a lot of that was the people who worked in these stores. You know, they kind of came from that world and were authentic or sort of, like, the cool guy. So I don't think it was blown out of proportion because I you know again I was also a kid from Albany who mm -hmm. just moved to New York so I could understand them kind of being like okay who are you like what are you doing but it's like it didn't take that much time for you to sort of like get cool with people Find to me way. it was yeah or like paying your dues in a way yeah you mentioned like a bunch of rare sneakers that you had back in the day you know Zoo York Dunks Supreme Dunks were those things hard to get for you back then or because you were part of this James Jebbia umbrella, it was just like never an issue for you to get a shoe that now is considered so rare and resells for so many thousands of dollars, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, it wasn't hard at all. One, because I worked in one of the greatest places to work in, mm -hmm. in retail, but also just being a person who worked in retail, you made friends with everyone from Foot Locker to back then it was Canal Jeans or whatever. It was like you kind of just had a community of people you knew so mm -hmm. you could get things. But for me, it was also easier because I had a small shoe size. And at that point, not many girls were, you know, like dying for sneakers. Mm -hmm. so. Right. One thing I noticed is that you always bring out kind of like archived pieces. And I think a lot of Air Force Ones, but... For me, I remember being an intern at Complex and spending money on all like Supreme hoodies that I'm actually happy that I did now because like from 10 years ago, have you kept a lot of those pieces that you've accumulated over the years? I have kept a lot. I think sneaker wise, I haven't. Mm -hmm. I've read Marie Kondo's book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. Oh, and so yeah. I kind of- You just threw everything away? I, no, I, yeah. I Do really, you have a rule? I need. I really need that. Do you have like a rule of like six months and it's gone because it's like, it's getting too much. You did you, have you read her book? No. Read it, I swear to God. If you look at it as like an organizing book or decluttering book, you're missing the whole entire point of it. For me now, I'm like, if people gift me something, I know whether or not I'm gonna wear it. Like okay. I might wear it like, just because I'm friends with the brand or whatever. Mm -hmm. But the whole point of that book was like, does it spark joy? And if it doesn't, you just have to get rid of it. And it sounds kind of hippie, whatever, yeah. but it really works for me because it's like everything in my closet is like color coordinated, dark to light, like just. How many shoes do you think you own in 2020? 
I own less than 50. God, wow. I wish. So you you, you must have liquidated a lot over the years. Yeah. But for me, it was always quality over quantity mm-hmm. because I just, I never really, like I, I gravitated towards specific sneakers. So for me, it was, I was never like living in like shoe boxes. Do you still have the, uh, those Air Jordan 3s that you kind of became famous for? Are those still somewhere like hiding in the apartment? I do, yeah. The grip on the bottom is completely like worn, but yeah. Can you tell us about that shoe's significance to you personally? Yeah, I think for me, so I I grew up, my parents didn't buy me like name brand anything, Mm -hmm. um, which totally sucked, but (laughs) um, so for me being, I got made fun of for also not wearing any name brand sneaker. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I grew up obsessed with sneakers, but specifically Jordans, because I mean, for me, it was like, that's like the top tier of mm-hmm. the sneaker. And I don't know why the Jordan three just always like stood out to me as like just the most pristine and chic, um, even above the one, which I do love the one, but I feel like the three is just like everything to me. Mm-hmm. Totally. And then later in life working with Jordan and that process, you know, I know you've talked about it a lot, but is it still like a pinch me moment for you? Yes. I mean, it's still, it's weird because it's like, sometimes I'll forget it happened and then people might bring it up like, oh, like you were the first or you, you know, you did this. And I'm like, yeah, that's, it's so, it's, and it's been so long too now that it almost still feels like so weird, but. um, And there's kind of a connection, right? Because you had the Black Cement Jordan 3 sneaker cake Mm -hmm. and then from that kind of gained the attention of people at Jordan brand and that turned into your project in 2010 the Vashti Air Jordan 2 right like how did that actually work in terms of you picking colors and and going back and forth designing the shoe perfect perfect (laughs) color yeah definitely thank you so we did it all like through the mail actually because um, like snail mail yes okay um so they would fed like I would give them um I gave them my color palette which was ultimately what we ended up using and they would then send me swatches and Mm -hmm. it was just going back and forth can you explain what the actual shoe looked like and like how you arrived at those colors Yes. So my brand is violet. And so for me, you know, the color purple, violet, lavender, those shades are really colors that I gravitate towards, Mm -hmm. even though I don't wear them that often in real life. But for me, just the idea that, you know, red and blue make purple, it's a balance. All of the things that purple represents was important to me. And I wanted to, you know, do the shoe in a color that was representative of me. But also I wanted to do it in a in a tone that was wasn't too feminine. I mm-hmm. wanted it to be sort of on the cusp of masculine and feminine, mm. where if a guy saw it, he would say, okay, I want to wear that sneaker too. It doesn't look like a girl's sneaker. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was important to find the right balance. And also um, there's elements of silver because it was a 25th anniversary. And right, so, and that's why they were pushing the silhouette, the Jordan yeah. too, yeah. Also amber was um, inside the shoe, the color amber, which is also something that you give someone for an anniversary. Mm. You said that there wasn't that many large sizes. Yeah. See, that sucks because I know a lot of NBA players would be wearing yeah. them in the tunnels today. Yeah, right. like I, I thought about that. Like I could see so many NBA players, like because that design holds up today. And yeah, I could see a lot of NBA players walking through the tunnel in in those twos. Yeah, and the Air Jordan Two is like a shoe you don't see a lot of collaborations on in mm-hmm. general. And um, I think it's interesting too because Don C, mm-hmm. you know, got to do it, and he said the shoe was inspired by. His, wi- Chanel, yeah. his wife's uh, bag. Did, what did you think about when you saw that interpretation of it? Did you? Um, 
I, I mean, I really liked it. It, um, it definitely felt sort of like connected mm-hmm. to maybe the shoe that I had done, but it felt different. I mean, it felt like his own, and I liked it. It was like you were setting up the storyline, and then years later, you kind of continued it. In <laughs> I a way. don't, th- I don't think that's what happened. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not, I'm not saying he ripped you off. I just a mean, little like, bit of inspiration. I'm not sure, but when I look at it, I'm like, oh, it, kind of, it reminds me of my shoe. But I don't, I wouldn't say that he, you know, copied that or and that man has. A, tons of inspiration and he creates amazing things i think i remember you telling us though when we did the full size run episode like before after we shot that like you didn't even remember like or you were kind of frustrated that you didn't even know where the shoes were coming out at and you know how many pairs they made it was just kind of like dropped and you were kind of in the dark at the time it was explained to me that they don't really share that information not even with the person who made it yeah so i mean I mean, I'm sure they probably evolved over the years and they probably share that with the people they collaborate with. But it was definitely like I had no idea unless people had showed it like on at that point it was Twitter. So they would be like, oh, I just got these sneakers at True or whatever. So it was like that was the only way I kind of knew. How many pairs did you get personally? Were you able to at least tell them that? Like, look, I made this shoe. I need. Yeah, I got only a handful. I think I got like 10. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you were those like in your size or like for your friends and family? They were in my size. Some of them were smaller. That's for friends and family. Mm-hmm. Um, but at some point they had talked about doing men's sizing of it. Mm-hmm. But then eventually they had run out of the materials to make the shoe. Mm-hmm. So they had stopped the production. Mm. And going back before that, did you work at like the Nike ID studio at yeah, one point as well? Like even before the Jordan brand well, thing? Was it, was it 255? Yes. On Elizabeth, Elizabeth Street? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was 2005 to 2006. Yeah. How did you get involved with that? Someone told me that they were hiring. Mm -hmm. And so I went in for an interview and it was basically talking about sneakers. And it was like a really like passionate place to work. Like Mm -hmm. it was really all about sneakers and the culture. So I was one of the first people that they hired along with like a gang of people that went on to do like their own thing. Mm -hmm. But it was an amazing experience. Like I look back on that as like one of the best jobs I've ever had. Wow. Really, it was such an experience. Can you explain the 255 space? Because I feel like a lot of people don't necessarily know how much of a predecessor it was yeah. to things like the Bespoke program. and. Yes. So 255 Elizabeth, located at 255 Elizabeth <laughs> Street in Manhattan, um, was a, it was basically like a private sneaker experience that was only for people who were invited. Mm-hmm. So you had to have like a card that was given to you for by, Nike. The, by Nike for this experience. And it was generally, at, in the very beginning, it was, you know, very VIP. It was like celebrities and athletes and that kind of thing. Or people in the culture mm-hmm. who were like really well known for what they do. And it was an amazing space. Like you'd walk in and there was like this beautiful waiting area and a person at a front desk, which eventually became my physician, which I loved. <laughs> um, and then in the back, which you couldn't see immediately, was loungy couches set up in front of computers where um, you could have a one-on-one experience with someone who would help you design your sneaker. Mm-hmm. And also there was a weight service you could have alcohol, coffee. Um, They would hold a lot of events there. I remember Steve Jobs had an event with Apple. Kobe had an event there. Um, And that's just wild also. So we would work those private events. Um, What other celebs were coming through there that you helped them like design shoes? Yeah, any that stick out? Besides Clark Kent and Mayer, who were probably there every day. Yes, of course. (laughs) They were there all the time. I don't really remember, actually. Like, there was never a moment where you got, like, starstruck or anything Did that ever happened to you? No. I think that at that point, it was also, like, being young, but also being, like, New York and being, like, you Mm -hmm. know, um, 
I'm tough. Like you didn't want to ever show that you right. were like, even if I, I don't think I was that starstruck. I think it was just all like, I was just shocked. Like Robert De Niro came in. Whoa, that's that amazing. Was, I, that's I, uh, <laughs> Robert De Niro has a custom pair of Nike IDs. I don't remember why he came in, but was, that was the thing. A lot of times there were these private events. And so celebrity friends would bring their celebrity friends. And so it was a thing. I remember him walking in and he, he took a picture with my coworker and he was like, and I took it for them. And he's like, come on, let's you and I take a photo. And I was like, no, I'm okay. And he's like, <laughs> Come on, and it, the photo is like me awkwardly <laughs> like, hi. Um, but that's, yeah, that's. Do you remember what one. he designed at all? Or? I, no, I don't even think he. I think he was just there. Like okay. some people didn't care about getting sneakers. Yeah. Some people were just there. They, also, they wouldn't give you a heads up that those people were coming in. Just like a heads up, like Kobe Bryant's coming in. Well, like, we knew we didn't really know he was coming. We knew that the event was for a basketball team. I think it was a New York City basketball team that was really, really well known for playing and he showed up for the event to like support mm. so were you taking advantage of the services there like as an employee could you just make shoes for yourself i mean for free yeah. or for discount yeah like i think a, that we had like a certain amount that we could get yeah yeah but you th that, that's another shoe that you didn't necessarily keep over the years you've marie condo no, those away yeah but, but then i wore them a lot so you got what you needed out and, of them yeah and i also one of the models we had on deck was the free which i was obsessed with the nike free mm -hmm. good one um so i always pushed it on people and then people always got them because they tried them on and were like okay yeah this is mm -hmm. really comfortable. super comfortable yeah how much do you keep in contact with the people from those days you know people who have gone on to be bigger at nike you know guys like israel mateo or you know i don't know if will whitney worked at that store yeah at one point. no he well i don't know if he did but he worked at stussy he was my manager at stussy really yeah so we keep in touch um Israel, I actually saw him at SNS bar, and we, it was just really funny because it was we haven't seen each other in so long, so that was really amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, he was there with our other coworker Jonathan, who um, who I don't know, I think he does design something now, but it was really nice to see them. I became really good friends with Steven, who uh, who is a DJ now, DJ Huggy Bear. Uh, he was one of the security guards, mm -hmm. so. So I feel like I, I see people every now and again, but it's not, I feel like everyone's doing their own thing and they're living elsewhere. So I don't really get to see them as often. But yeah. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. 
did you stay connected to Nike from that period? Because like you said, you worked there from 2005 to 2006, and then your Jordan brand collaboration didn't come until 2010. Like, How connected to the brand were you in that interim period? The people that ran Nike ID were um, a marketing agency called Marketing Partners. So they were sort of the ones that kind of like were more connected with us. Mm. I mean, the Nike people I knew personally, like we kept in contact, but we didn't really like do anything work-wise. I did direct something for Carmelo for Nike um, around that, like 2011. So it was after, but um, before that, I don't think that we had like kept in that much contact. But you still very much cared about sneakers in that yeah. space. Yeah. Yeah. After the Jordan, did any other brands approach you once it was like a few years went on to do stuff? They might have actually. I don't really remember. We got the Puma collection, right? Yeah. So that came in 2000. 14, yeah. Yeah. Did that give you the same feeling or was it like a little different? It or? was different. I mean, for me, I mean, Jordan is Jordan. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, Puma was a nice experience because it was having like full freedom to do whatever I wanted, both apparel and footwear. More so than Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a, di- it was a way different experience. It was much more um, invigorating and exciting. But I think that it was also knowing that, you know, at that point, Puma wasn't looked at as mm-hmm. doing much brand collaboration or at least like forward brand stuff. Yeah, not in this space like at all, right? Right, yeah. One thing I would say is in the recent years we've seen women get their own Jordan and how special is it for you to be the first one and then see someone like Alele or Melody to get their own Jordans and you know there's some sort of lineage that connects you guys together. I think it's exciting. I feel like it's almost it's exciting but it's also annoying because it's like hello like why haven't you guys been doing this all along Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know like i feel like me being the first is like super exciting and it's like yes like i did that but it's also like seeing a lately it's like i'm like damn bitch you did that (laughs) and like even with melody i'm just it's like there it doesn't lose its like excitement because Mm -hmm. i think it's also it's like why does it have to be this thing of like female versus male like it's it's still an exciting collaboration does it annoy you that like Kind of like in the rap world, you know, there's kind of like that kind of talk where there only could be like one female like rapper at a time. Do you kind of feel like it's kind of like that in streetwear or sneakers where there can only be like the female collaborator who's doing it right now? Yeah, I do. It's weirdly the same, which doesn't make much sense because and there's so many different kinds of people like Melody's like style is different than mm-hmm. Alele's. My style is different than whoever. So it's like it's not like everyone's doing the same thing. Do you think brands are creating enough like product geared towards women or having enough women involved in product creation at this point? Or do you think that they still have a long way to go? Maybe behind the scenes they have a lot of women involved, but I feel like they could be doing more with female designers yeah. like out on the forefront. And I, I still feel like there is like a hole with you know, product for women. I think we've spoken about it here, but like Nike is always talking about how they have all these great women's lines and Jordan brand is like seemingly previewing a new women's collection every two months. But then I go to like a sneaker store with my girlfriend and we're trying to like pick stuff out and I'm like, there's really not that much good stuff. It's easy to like neglect how much of a disparity there is between the product. Something that I want to talk about is like your peak fun in New York City. Like I remember the Cuddy Chocolate Rain video and see, you know, CSR and, and so much history. Like was there a group of years that was really, really fun? Like <laughs> I know it's tough to pinpoint, but like, you know, back then seeing artists on the come up, how special was that for you? Well, I feel like the years that were probably most exciting was like 2006 to 2010. Okay. That was like super, super exciting because it was also the time when 
you know, like a lot of my friends who are like really big now, we were like no ones then, you know, like we yeah. were just sort of like. Who were those people? It was like Shane from Hood by Air, okay. Angelo Vake from mm-hmm. Awake, um, Cuddy, yeah. Theophilus London. Um, and not to say that, that we were all hanging out together, but these were friends of mine. Mm-hmm. I feel like at that time it was just having fun. Yeah. You know, it was, we weren't, we didn't even have social media then. So it was like, I mean, MySpace was the thing. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, the way to meet and build and hang out, but you weren't so sucked into your phone. Right. Um, so it left room for just like being foolish. Like I like I started recording Shane from Hood by Air and my friend Raul who does his brand Luar doing Hood by Air TV, which was them doing like these funny hood girl accents mm-hmm. and interviewing people. I mean, because we were so bored. You yeah. know, we didn't we had jobs and we were like making a little bit of money, but we didn't have like we weren't doing that much. And that's sort of also how the Cuddy video came up. Yeah. Like, and it was just, I don't even know why we thought of doing that, but um, I think I had just gotten my 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 Mac computer and yep. it had the camera built into it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, let's make something. Yeah. And so it was just fun. Like we just, we started off with one concept of like, okay, I'm writing a treatment for your music video, which I was at the time. I remember that. Uh- what what video treats is in it? I, I remember Heaven at Night. Yeah. Oh, I and love that. That Jew is in yes. it. Yeah, Heaven at Night. That's a cl- and it's a classic video. There's so many yeah. d- New York City like right, and that's the other thing. Like Fat Jew was also he was one yeah. of them. So it was just like anyway. So yeah, so that just came out of like nowhere. It was fun because it was us meeting at Starbucks after work and like you know going to all these like industry parties because there was free food and yeah. free alcohol yeah. and sometimes that's probably the only time you would eat. Yeah. So um, I've consumed a lot of uh, miniature burgers. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Hot dogs yep. at brand events. Yep. I feel like when I first moved to New York for like the first five years at, at least, I was like subsiding mostly on um, right, absolutely. promo promo yeah. food items. Every yeah. single yeah. T-Mobile event you were exactly. at. <laughs> but you, you also hit the point too, and I know we've all been there where it's like you just kind of get like tired of it a little bit and you're like, I don't want to go out anymore. Yeah. When did you like, did you ever hit that point where you're just kind of like, hey, I'm over this? I think I hit that point a few years ago. Um <laughs> I think it's also just because it's like it can be overwhelming. I've learned now as like an adult in this world and in the industry that, you know, before I would go to events and not talk to people. But then I realized that's really rude. You know, like Mm -hmm. you just you like for me, I was shy. But then I realized being shy can read as being a bitch or being rude or, you know, thinking you're better than someone else. So I had to learn to like go and go to events and engage and, you know, introduce myself. And so. I think now I'm like, okay, that's exhausting. So yeah. um, the, the only thing with that is like, what I realize is that the people I would see at events, I would feel like I'm the polar opposite of them. Very, they're like s- super loud, but some of them, like the fact that we're opposites really helped like become friends with them. And like you said, it can get exhausting, but it's also- Do you still y- go to sneaker events? I f- I feel uh, like Joe, I Joe LaPuma does not go to sneaker events. Uh, He's like too famous for that. No, no, <laughs> it's not it, but I don't- not, not really. I, you know what I do? You're I do like not on a lot of free food. Yeah, I do like birthdays and like things like that for like, for friends. I feel like you only go to events when it's like a flex that you're at the event. <sighs> I mean, I don't know. We went to the Nike, but the Nike like stuff like that. Show, a few, a few I was second ago. row. He was tenth row. No, I was not tenth Nike row. Thing. <laughs> no, I um, had a clear view of Drake. We spoke about it um, already. One thing that's really cool is I think you said it was fun back then and. Every artist always says, as much as they're grinding, the come up is the funnest part. And it seems like you were front and center for so many of the come ups that we see now that people have made amazing careers for themselves. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, I even at that time, it was like a discovery. And I remember I was walking around Cooper Union, the 
a very prestigious art school. Mm-hmm. And this kid stopped me and was like, I have my senior show. I really want you to come to my art show. I'm a fan of yours. And I was like, okay. I was yeah. like, when is it? And I remember going to his art show. He gifted me a piece of his artwork. And then you guys had him at one of the complex con that I went to. Um, he did a whole art exhibit. He shot Beyonce, wow. pregnant. He's like a huge artist now. A while a risky. This was a young kid that invited you in. And yeah, it's yeah, just and cre- now, now he's a huge artist. But I think that it was just, there was so much more discovery where there wasn't like a, like a gain. Like you weren't like, okay, who, who can Clouching. I, right, yeah, it was right. like, oh, okay. Like. You look cool. What just you, goes to show, Joe. Don't don't snub somebody at the next sneaker event. <laughs> I don't snub anyone. What do you what I do don't you think of the kind of the like internet clout chasing? When I feel like in, I don't know how much you pay attention to it, but I feel like I see a lot of like streetwear people nowadays who like throw on ridiculous outfits and go on Instagram just to try to like rack up the likes, but it doesn't feel like cool at all, you know, like or authentic. At Bro, all. she distills her own water. You think she's looking at that stuff? <laughs> I don't know. That's that. The Discover page on Instagram like gets you like down some rabbit holes. I honestly, okay, I, so I got asked this question recently about clout chasing and they had to define it for me. <laughs> I don't know what exactly, like I don't know of anything off the top of my head of that specifically, but if it's the same thing that we talked about on the show, which was like, and I'll use like girls for this example, mm-hmm, yeah. but girls who are in Supreme with like, you know, a game con- con- yeah. console thing, like where it's like, okay, obviously you're going for as many likes as possible, mm-hmm. like. Good example. Actually, here's a good example of the transition. Is there a visual I can see? No, no, good, no good, see how excited he gets. Though, whenever <laughs> no. there's any sort, some sort of he gets excited. No, like good, a good uh, kind of example to transition. Something that you kind of got known for, like the supreme outfit, like mm-hmm. the foam posit outfit. Like that was like something that kind of caught you know the internet, but it was just something you wanted to wear. But I feel like you see a lot of kids nowadays who will buy like the most like you know ridiculous hype beast trendy supreme clothes and just try to wear it all at once and it just doesn't seem cool anymore. Mm. I guess you kind of have to be cool to pull it off. Can we talk about your relationship with Supreme over the years? Like, where do you feel about the brand is now? Like, do you see her jacket? I mean, the brand is doing exceptionally well mm-hmm. for as, you know, as a company and as a business. I think that for me as a consumer and as a fan and as a friend, you know, it's definitely it's expanded in a way that is now like Everywhere. So now it's like, you know, it went from, for me, I'll say from my experience, it was like, oh, I felt like this was like a club that I belonged to that Mm -hmm. not many people knew about, which, you know, afforded some like luxuries of just feeling good about that, whatever that is. And now it's like a 10 year old kid's wearing the same outfit I'm wearing Mm -hmm. and or some girl is just borrowing her boyfriend's clothes. And she, you know, so it's like, I think for me, it's definitely made me more like, aware of the pieces that I wear or the... They made a Tupac hologram t-shirt. Yeah. What did you think about that? I saw the promo for it. I didn't actually see the t-shirt, why, but... Why? I missed that. I did didn't you see, see that. The did new, you see that? No. Did you see the new Air Force ones, like the all-white ones yeah. with the Supreme on the logo? I mean, uh, they released this week. It's like the box what you, logo What do you think about hit? those? Did you like those or is that for you? I like those. Yeah. So I do. do I. I had an They're interesting conversation clean. with someone who, who worked for the brand for a few years and they were basically telling me how... It just didn't feel the same in terms of the internal personnel and, you know, they used to have this edge or this attitude and now that they kind of have to answer to corporate overlords in some way where they kind of have to clean it up. You know what I mean? I I get that. And, you know, I can't speak for them, but also that happens in every single business. Like every single business, literally, it's like you either remain very small and niche and, you know, you could strive, but once you get bigger, that's the thing. Like they went like mainstream. So. Mm I get that, but also it's kind of like inevitable to me. They yeah. sold out? I don't know. 
You think they did? I don't think so. I think that they still cater to the core. It's like supreme and bait for young kids. Like whenever I'm talking to young kids from high school, middle school, it's always supreme and bait always come up as like the two still, which like. I'm still surprised that bape came back around. You know what I mean? Like I I really thought bape was dead. I love bape still. I I love bape. I thought that when it left, I didn't know how it was going to come back. Yeah. What was your introduction to bape? Because I feel like that was another one of those brands where like around the time that you kind of arrived in New York City and that was a big deal. Yes. So when I worked at Stussy and being involved in like all of the sneaker worlds, um, we would always get Japanese magazines of streetwear fashion, which Mm -hmm. was like literally like just sneaker porn, Mm -hmm. uh, streetwear porn. It was Japanese kids with their style, which was usually it was like an urban style that it was just their interpretation, Mm -hmm. which was amazing because like the denim that they had and the I don't know, like the knits they had was amazing. But so a lot of them had Bape sneakers. Mm. And I remember there was one store, I'm forgetting the name of it, that you could buy them. But it was just the idea that you you had like this one silhouette that was in every color you could imagine was just like a dream. But I'd never had any a pair of those at that time. I'm curious, what are your like shopping habits now? Like stores in New York City? Is it online? Like how do you pick your spots now? So I hate shopping in real life. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know why trying on clothes makes me so frustrated. Mm-hmm. But um, so I generally like to buy things online. And I mean, I would rather go to StockX than go to the store okay. to Supreme. Like, I, mm-hmm. and I, as much as I love Supreme, I'm like, I'll just, ugh, I'll just do that. Wait, you, really? have to, you have to pay for Supreme? Um, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> Surprising. But you don't mind paying resale prices? No. Same. Yeah. I, I mean, to for me, like, it just to go, I'm like, I get so drained. Yeah. And I also don't buy everything. I'm just like, oh, I like this one thing. One so. thing per season, something yeah. like that. Not the Tupac hologram t-shirt. I don't think I would, it's I, not think it's me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I like to shop online and with waste and, yeah. you know, in 2020, just being more cognizant of what am I buying? Do I actually need this? I got to slow down. I feel like I've done a good job, but I got to slow down more. Like this thing you're talking about, I was like, do I actually need this? Like I have to have people in my life. I don't know if you guys feel this way, but like who I kind of consult every time before I buy a sneaker yeah. where I'm like, am I going to regret this in two weeks? Is this going to be a shoe that sits in my room for 10 years? You yeah, know what I, I mean? I just think for me, I just have to listen. Like people have told me like what you were talking about, basically that book. Um, people have told me that you give stuff away that you haven't worn in like even four to six months, you will never really miss it. And I kind of just have to stick to that because yeah. it's just getting it's getting too much. But the book, okay, not that I'm like the PR for this book. <laughs> but the book is really great because the thing is she talks about how you'll end up buying this. Is the Marie this, Kondo book. Yeah, yeah. You'll end up buying the same things over and over again. Like for, like if it's women, it's like, oh, I buy the same like little black dress or mm-hmm. whatever. And then they never wear it. And then they keep replacing it over time. So it, it's just figuring out, like it's just like really minor psychology of like why do i keep buying something like this that i don't really care that much about i have to say i think that is too much of a threat to the sneaker head like <laughs> psychology because like if you ever like that's exactly what we do is just buy the same I thing just think, over yeah. and over for me i think it's more clothes though like hoodie after hoodie after hoodie do you ever go back to see sneakers you have bought in the past and what they're worth now or not really no that's a really That'd be an exciting. Should exercise. I pull up the New York Dunks on? You should do it. Yeah. Like you should. Yeah, you should do that. You would be very, very surprised. Like sometimes I'm in my parents' basement when I go home, and I'm like looking through things, and then I'm like, oh, let me just look this up, and you would be pleasantly surprised wow. at some of the the value of this stuff. Have you seen Nike SB coming? Like the comeback of it? Have you paid attention no, to that recently? Because like know. people like like Travis Scott 
Like, has, oh yeah, yeah. He has like all the old SBs that you know that you probably had like back in the day, and now he has like his own SB. Do you think it's cool to see like, you know, the younger generation kind of like recycle the style from like that era? I think so. I mean, I think some of those silhouettes are just so classic. It's yeah. like you have to kind of reissue them. Um, but it's nice because I think it's a resurgence. Like I think that maybe he didn't get to experience like the full like moment of an SB dunk. So it, maybe he kind of had the idea of it. So it's nice that other people can relive that. So you don't have like that, like I guess people call it like, the gatekeeping mentality of like you weren't there back no. in the day. No, he does. <laughs> <laughs> this guy does. Some no. people quote unquote, AKA me. That will age you so quickly. Yes. Let tell that, him. Let that go. Yes. Let that hurt go. <laughs> By the way, Zoo York dunks, not as expensive as I thought, but the last couple sales, like, thousand fifteen hundred dollars okay. something like All that right. you're not like oh you weren't there so you can't really buy no, or yeah it's not listen i don't want to point any elbows but this no. guy a little bit i don't know because you're, you're talking about the mentality though of like you know back when you know you first came to soho and you kind of had to like be accepted into the into the cool guy crowd so i didn't know if that mentality translated into the way you look at younger kids or anything like that. No, it's it's still ingrained in me when I meet people. I'm just like, I don't know, like, who are you? Like, it takes me like a while before I can really let my guard down to become like cool with people. But mm -hmm. that's just my own thing. But I'm yeah. not like, who are you? Who do you know? Like, and with that, I feel like with with living these moments, I feel like it keeps the culture alive. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's just part of it. And I think that that's like, that's the beauty of it. Definitely. He sees an SB dunk on the street. It's a five question no, it, quiz. No, it's and just funny. And then if you don't pass, he asks you to take him off. No, it's just <laughs> funny because I remember like you're talking about like those days of, you know, like, you know, hanging out with like skate kids and all that. I remember like skating growing up and like when I first started going to the skate park, like to be down with like the skater kids, it was like you had to drink hot sauce for 10 seconds. And that was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> really? Yeah. What? Whoa! That Actually, was like. Did you have to do this initiation? <laughs> well, what? No. What kind of initiation is that? That was like we were like 15 years old. Like did they you made it? you do it. Yeah, everyone had to do it. Bro. Wow. Yeah. All right. And you're a better man for it. Listen, yeah. I got stuffed in a locker in uh, middle school once. Over sneakers? Not not over. How sneakers. did you get out? That is frightening. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I'm good thing I'm not claustrophobic. I am. It was either that or you had to like let everyone like there was like six guys and everyone like took a skateboard and like whacked you in like the thigh with it like as hard as they could. Did you do that one too? But uh, yes, on oh. like both ends oh, of it. So but you, you did all of them. Yeah, man, you had to. Maybe you should start a new program to haze these kids <laughs> and their SPs. Uh, if if he could, he would. <laughs> you, you, there was no type of initiation like that to to, to work at Stussy. You didn't have to take a blood oath or no. anything. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you seem to be very focused, uh, like on on whittling things down and the whole Marie Kondo thing. And you mentioned fifty or less sneakers that you own now, which like is an amazing goal and one that I've set for myself personally. But like, what does your daily rotation now look like, or what are the shoes that have stuck with you over the past couple decades that you're like, I had to keep the shoe. This meant too much for me for me to ever get rid of it. My own Jordan, of course. And um, I'm obsessed with Alele's Millennial Pink Jordan, which she gifted me. Nice. The Jordan 6. Yes. I have the Jordan 3s in the black and white, mm -hmm. which I like to wear. Now I really just stick to an Air Force One. White on white? White on white, yeah. A lot of older ones, too, you bring back, right? Yeah. Like, I see, even on your Instagram, I see ones that are, like, so obscure. Really? Yeah. Okay. For Air Force Ones, do you have like the wear once rule or do you don't care? Like no. a white and white Air Force One? I like also grew up with like gutter white boys who took me to hardcore shows and like skated and BMX. So I have like part of that where it's like a little grimy, but yeah. then it's also like the shiny 
black side. <laughs> so it's like a mix, but I'm not gonna walk around with like, you know. Remember you were also a toes. big fan of the polo cookie boots? Yes, I love those. At the beginning of the podcast, I kind of like named some of what you've done. Was there one in recent years, one kind of like, whether it's DJing or, you know, you had the party for so many years, was there one thing that really you enjoyed more than the others or, or recently that you're really focused on like a passion point? I feel like they're all so different. Yeah. I think that lately DJing is much more gratifying because we're in this instant gratification moment where we just need to see results now. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to see like how you're affecting people like in the moment. Yeah. Um, with directing, it was always exciting, but it just took so long before I could get to see what people thought of anything I had done. Uh, and sometimes you don't hear people say anything. So that's also a different aspect of it. I feel like the design portion and I feel like with that, it's really nice because it really embodies like creatively like what I'm experiencing or what has inspired me. Mm-hmm. So like with the Puma collection I did, it was like the first collection I did was um, dedicated to like b-boy culture from the early 80s mm-hmm. and, you know, really like pinpointing what I thought of Puma at that era so I think for me it was like much more of a full experience it was not only was it the product and the design it was also the lookbook and doing a fashion show and all that so I feel like that was um also really fulfilling how'd you feel about the Drake shout out you wrote a blog post about it like what it was referring to about the used to be with Vashti at Santos what was that like did you get a heads up or you just heard it when everyone else did someone uh, who worked on the album sent me a text and was like hey just so you know I'm I'm working on this Drake album and he shouts you out and I was like oh god what does he say (laughs) because I I mean I don't know like I know him but I don't know him that well Mm -hmm. and so I was like I don't know what what could it be my name rhymes with so many like problematic thing so, oh <laughs> so i wasn't sure but then i heard it and i was like oh my god it was it was such a nice like mention yeah. and also just it encapsulated that time of 2006 to 2010 just also doing the parties at santos which yep. you know at that time he came to the party and no one knew who he was yeah. and uh, my manager at the time was cousins with his manager so he would come every now and again and then i remember seeing him going to see him at perform at sobs and going to like Cypher Sounds comedy show okay. and w- like with him at the table. So it was just like, it was such an interesting time because it was just like, again, kids who like were just figuring it Trying out. Trying to make it. Yeah. Well, Vashti, we can't thank you enough for coming through and doing the podcast. I think your perspective on things is something that is unmatched. And, you know, the biggest thing for me is like you really were there and had a front row seat to see all of these successful people and, and work with them. And, definitely a legend in the game and and (laughs) the fact that we've known each other for a while and we're doing this is just like an honor for us and um thank you so much for coming by thank you for having me i want to say too i think like vashti was one of those internet cool people who like i aspired to be like in in a way before you know because like before i moved to new york in 2012 i had never been here so like my connection to the sneaker scene all came through the internet and i remember seeing like the photo you had of your sneakers like lined up in your apartment like on a hardwood floor and like that was one of those first moments where i was like i can't just own a couple pair of sneakers i have to have like a rotation i have to have like a collection i i I remember that from no 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 from this like 2008 or 2009 or 2007 or something like that and that's amazing you know you were looking at at photos of how she set up shoes and he was drinking hot sauce to get into the skateboard (laughs) so yeah definitely we could that's called duality my brothers (laughs) both sides of it thank you so much this is the complex sneakers podcast available everywhere friday mornings we'll see you next week
Our producer is Shiva Bayet. Special thanks to Dave Matthews and Jennifer Stewart. The Complex Sneakers Podcast is a production of the Complex Podcast Network.